When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. It's Mackie and Judd from the TCL Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Mackie and Judd are talking twins. Now, with the man who's in the clubhouse covering the team every day. Beat writer for The Athletic, Dan Hayes. All right, TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd now oh, join. silencing Judd. No, turn My it back bad. down. Turn it no, back, back up. Fade it back down. Yeah, bring it back, Benny. Turn it back. Yeah, hey, hey you can't silence show. me. Show just, got like, a lot, show just got a lot better. I'm Tim's like, rotate. <laughs> Ice. Jimmy, I love you. Actually, you should Gorgie, be able to do that with, with Tom Thibodeau on the broadcast without without Fox Sports North having to do it for you. Don't even get me. Seriously, I melted down. Manny melted down. All right, now joined by our buddy uh, Dan Hayes. And uh, Dan obviously covers the Twins for The Athletic. Athletic.com does a great job there. Check out his work. Uh, your surprise yesterday at the uh, news and subsequent press conference that after four years, Paul Molitor out as manager of the Twins, Danny. Um, uh, you know, I, I think I think we were talking about it there on Sunday um, before the Joe Maurer show really hit uh, fifth gear and uh, took <laughs> off and... and um, I, I think, you know, we were talking a little bit about potentially that disconnect being a reason why they might do it and how there was maybe a small chance, like maybe 25% chance. But at the same time, I didn't, I, I'm still surprised that it happened. Um, just that you look at what this team went through this year and all the stuff that really is out of everybody's control. And, and that includes the front office. Um, you know, losing your shortstop, your center fielder playing 11 really healthy games, your, your starting catcher out May 2, and I know it's Jason Castro's not the big, uh, best offensive guy, but, I mean, you had a really green Mitch Garver and a guy who is uh, known for his defensive skills more than anything as your starting catcher the rest of the way. And, you know, I, everywhere you look, Sano obviously wasn't right, uh, Mauer and missing a month you take all those things into account Irvin Santana you know five starts and and that wasn't Irvin Santana in those five starts um it it just seemed like that's something that maybe gets him a free pass I I do understand uh, the front office wants their guy I understand that you know you probably don't want delay and and so in that regard it's not surprising um it's still you know it's a little bit of both um because because front offices come in new regimes they they need their guys their record that you know, this is now their time, and it's their team, and they are on the clock. Um, and, and so you can understand making a switch. I just think that, you know, obviously this isn't something that you can point to Paul Mulder and go, man, that's that's all on him. Um, it, it really, you know, the, the level of preparation, um, all the all the stuff you want to see, the, the intelligence, the openness to try new stuff out, 
he, he did it all for them. Um, so it, it was surprising a little bit in that regard because he was a good soldier, went along with what they wanted to do. Um, and yet at the same time, I don't think you're shocked because, because it's kind of how things go these days. Yeah. So Dan, how, how do you think we should feel about this front office today after, after this goes down? I feel like there's a lot of fans in part because they love Paul Molitor who are looking at, we had a guy call yesterday and, and called Derek Falvey and Thad Levine clowns four times. I think there's a lot of people looking at these whiz kids and their analytics. How could they fire Paul Molitor? What? How do you think we should feel about the job that these two guys are doing right now? Well, I, I think it's as of right now it's incomplete just because we don't know. I mean, they again. I, I said on the clock. I, they were on the clock as the minute they hired their guy. You know, it, once their manager's in there, they're sort of on the clock at that point. And this is a, a really hard year to gauge with all of those things that that want, went on out of their control. I did think it was pretty um, good of Thad Levine yesterday to say on the on the dais that, uh, you know, they, they've thought about those one-year contracts with the uh, Logan Morrisons and the Lance Lins and how that may have disrupted things in the clubhouse. Um, you know, they're, they're accountable uh, on that end, and, and I think that when you look at the body of work that they put together, they're really thorough. They're really smart. There's a lot of respect for the two of them in the game. Um, the, you know, the last month has been, I'd say, more people have turned their heads in this direction and, and been a little surprised, especially the Byron Buxton thing. But overall, I think that they have good reputations in the game, and they're and they're bright guys, and they're they're experienced guys. So it, it's you know, fans aren't going to probably throw that trust out there. They're not. You know, I, I think that it doesn't happen. Um, I still want to give them the benefit of the doubt because I think there's too much good there to just go off of a lousy year. And it's pretty clear that um, they got put into the position where they signed uh, Paul Mulder to an extension because of the way the team continued to play on and win last year and, and reach the wild card game and he gets the manager of the year. I think they would have made this move a year ago. Um, but obviously it's a pretty expensive mistake too because he's owed $3.2 million over – 1.6 a year for the next two years. But, you know, I mean, it, it's going to be really intriguing to see what goes on because this is now really, they are on the clock for sure. Um, and they've probably learned a lot of lessons in this first year, really putting the roster together because that first year you come in, you don't want to change a lot of things. You expect that you're coming off that 103 loss season. So you don't know what you have. Um, and, and this year did not go well at all. Nothing really. The farm system had a great year. Uh, there were some good signs of development. A couple of young relievers came a long way. Um, obviously, Barrios and, and Gibson had some standout years, but it's such a, a tough year to, to say, wow, this was great, and it's it's really hard to fault them for the stuff that went, some of the things that went wrong. So, Dan, when you when you look at this, this coming off season for them, obviously they have so much money coming off the books, so they – in theory, you would think, okay, maybe they go out and and spend some money in free agency this winter, um, but also they could go the other way and say, let's just hit a, kind of a soft reset button here. We've got some pieces here, but we've also have some holes to fill, um, and let's see if we can sort of fill these holes with younger players coming up. Is is all of that going to factor into the decision that they make on the next manager? Because I got to think whoever they bring in is going to have to have an idea of what the plan for next year is going to be. Well, I, I think when you look at the group that they still have there, I mean, look, it, it's hard to look at Miguel Snow and Byron Buxton and go, 
these are these are standout guys based off of this last year, but at the same time, that potential's still there. We've seen it manifest at the major league level, and the fact that they, I think lost combined seven and a half or something like that wins above replacement um, from them, and this team still managed to win seventy eight games. The rest of the division is still going to be bad. The you know, the Indians are are definitely far and away the best team in the division but at the same time there were times this year where they seemed like it was something that they could be caught you know and and so i think you're going to look for a manager that's probably looking to come in and if it's not going to be this year it's going to be the next year that you're thinking you're going to win and and so i think what they approach free agency you know one of the great parts that's out there right now is it's a nice time to be a relief pitcher in free agency there are a lot of options out there uh it's a nice time to be a buyer for a relief pitcher in free agency because there's some steady names out there. And I think that when you look at three or four of the guys they have, um, Trevor May, Taylor Rogers, uh, Hildenberger had a rough second half, but I still like what I see there. And I think that if he is your fourth option, you have a really good bullpen. Or if he's your fifth option, you have a really good bullpen. And if you get another guy or two, you know, that there's enough potential there that, that it could thing be a good year next year. I mean, Jorge Polanco, you, you look at what he did in that third spot or second spot when you know they kind of rotated him. He's a nice bat there to have in the early part of the lineup. And if you get Miguel Sano on track and if Byron Buxton comes back, I mean, the ifs are big, but at the same time, they're plausible. And, and I think that this year was obviously not a good year for their those guys. Um it went horribly awry for all three of them. I mean, to miss 80 games because of a suspension. Miguel Sano, 13 or 14 home runs, a ton of strikeouts. Byron Buxton didn't play for, you know, he was gone basically since June. Um, it, it's hard to go full bore and go all in, but at the same time, I don't think you can just punt next year because you have to you have to look at that potential and say, hey, this is plausible, and, and spending around it, Makes sense. Um, I don't see them doing a whole lot of the one years. I think they would probably try and get multi year contracts, but they do have flexibility to spend. And you don't have to, in that relief market, go overboard to, to get guys. I, I think that, you know, there's so many options that it's a, a good time to be a buyer. Hey, Dan, among things in sports that you have covered throughout the years, where does seeing uh, Joe emerge from the dugout in full catching gear on Sunday rank? Well, I mean, I've seen some pretty cool historical things. I saw Bonds tie Hank Aaron. Um, I've been in a couple of World Series. I was at the Cubs winning the World Series. I was at the Giants, uh, the Mad Bum Game 7 in 2014. So I've seen some pretty historical stuff on an emotional level mm-hmm. um, that was as good as anything I've ever seen. Uh, it, you know, like, as I'm standing here talking, uh, I just got goosebumps again, and it's probably the 15th time it's happened. Um, it was amazing. You, you know, I think it's funny when I got to Chicago in 2012, Joe Maurer was already, uh, or I'm sorry, Joe Maurer was only a catcher there for a little bit longer. I, I came to Chicago in 2012, I think in June. So basically I had a year of Joe Maurer, the catcher to see before he left in August, 2013. Um, it's so far removed from my mind because you just, you got used to him. He was so good at first base. And at the same time, when you hear guys talk about his recall of games, the way he was doing it, you know, he was doing that post-game awards show, and, and guys were stunned at his attention to detail. And, and I'm sitting there going, well, that's really weird. It's a first baseman. Like, you know, you don't think infielders are that way. But, of course, the catcher, the 10 years of catcher 
it's still there and it's ingrained and, and he missed it so much and all that poured into that. I mean, every bit of that was amazing and people were suggesting it online, um, you know, social media, that kind of stuff in a couple of days leading up. And I was like, look, it would be amazing to see this. This would be one of the coolest things ever, but you just can't ask him to risk it. You can't ask him to get back there health wise. All it takes is one pitch and, and he could be hospitalized. And obviously he has a third child on the way right now. So when you, when you think about it like that, there's no way this is going to happen. Right. And, and I didn't, who would have thought of the possibility of it being a ceremonial kind of thing like that. Um, and, and you have to say bravo to the Twins, to the White Sox, everybody involved in making that happen because it was spectacular. I mean, it played out so well, and everybody wanted to see it, including Joe, Joe's family. It was, it was amazing. Yeah. Dan Hayes from The Athletic. Hey, man, we've really appreciated getting to know you on this show throughout the course of the year. We'll definitely catch up as hot stove season approaches and probably check in during this managerial search. But uh, it's been fun introducing you to our audience and having you on the show all year long, Dan. Thanks, Dan. Hey, it was been, it's been great. Thanks for having me, guys. I really do appreciate it. Yep. Thanks, Dan, Dan Hayes from The Athletic. Uh, I, let, let's come back and talk about a, a couple things here, Twins-related, including I, I know you guys watched that game last night. Cubs, Rockies, deep into the night. I had some aggressive baseball envy last night on behalf of the Twins and Twins fans, <laughs> and uh, went into a went into a wormhole going back to. Well, I'll just I'll tell you about it when we come back. Also, uh, Adrian Heath, one of the most entertaining uh, coaches in town, will join us later on this hour. The football hour with Matthew Collar and Rich Gannon in the five o'clock. Referencing. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Okay, then. On 1500 ESPN. Traffic brought to you by Vasper Stain, 494 westbound. We have a crash near uh, Highway 100 near Edina, adding about nine minutes to your commute there if you're headed westbound on 494. Also, 35E northbound, we have a crash uh, near Maryland in St. Paul, adding a few minutes to your uh, to your commute there, and also 94 westbound, a uh, five minute delay uh, that is a due to a crash near Creton and Marshall Avenue in St. Paul. Cooler weather is deck staining weather, so hurry to Lowe's and save on new Vasper One Coat Exterior Stain. Just buy one and get the second one half price off um, through October 3rd. That's today only at Lowe's. The pitch. Base hit into center field by Tony Walters. Home comes Story. Par to third. The Rockies have regained the lead. The 0-2 pitch. Swing and a miss. He got him. Scott Oberg strikes out the side. The Rockies are moving on. Just after midnight, the clock has struck 12 on the Chicago Cubs. So my first thought watching the game last night, just throughout the game, was this is awesome. This is Neck and neck, season on the line, Wrigley Field. There's a chill in the air. Oh, it it's great. just it the 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 tension and the stakes, and it's it was peak baseball. That's that. This is where baseball is. I mean, obviously at its best, right? When the, the page on the calendar turns to October. Yep. And then my second thought was, it's been almost a decade since we had that at Target Field. Think about that. <laughs> it's been almost. It's been 2010. Eight years. So round up. Almost a decade. Oh, five's last year. Since here. we had that. Yeah. If I would have told you guys in the middle of that, let's say in in the middle of game one, because 
once we got to Game Three in Yankee Stadium and Brian Dunsing was on the mound, yeah, in that you, know, stadium, you know it was over. Yeah, <laughs> but let's say when the Twins were battling the Yankees and it was, I think it was Pavano against CC Sabathia or something, Liriano, whatever it was, and that place was packed, forty thousand people going crazy. Brand new stadium, ninety-four win team, Morno in his prime, although Morno was out for that game because he had a concussion and didn't play the rest of the season. But Maurer coming off, all these things, right? They had a long run, yeah. If I would have told you in the middle of that, in the third inning of that game, with all of that excitement, better savor it because <laughs> this ain't going to happen again for at least eight years. What would you have thought? Minnesota sports. <laughs> That's exactly. I'm serious. And, and But you're right. In This is what makes me mad. When you think about the droughts that, that we're currently in, aside from football and the Vikings, when you think about the Wolves, 13 years, that's ridiculous. 16 teams make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. The Wild gets in, but then they always get bounced. The Twins have been bad, basically, except for a few pop-up seasons since 2011. So I can see why people here are are apathetic and sick and tired. And every time I do watch a game like last night's, I think to myself, could I envision a team in this town in the same sport in this game? And sadly, I get farther and farther yeah. away from saying, "Yeah, I could." Yeah. But like that thing in so, two, yeah, and that thing in two thousand ten. Yes, they had, unbeknownst to us at the time, whiffed on a bunch of draft picks around that time. Yeah, we wouldn't we wouldn't have known that. I'd have to go look that Matt Bayshore was a bust or whatever, but or that uh, who was that big tall. Uh, Alex or Walt, Kyle Waldrop, the big tall reliever, oh, that yeah, like, yeah, he was yeah. a second round pick or something. But, but that team with two MVPs in their prime, Denard Span was still highly regarded as this cornerstone piece for the next ten years. Francisco Liriano had a really good season in 2010. Mm-hmm. Was was off Tommy John surgery a couple years removed. You never would have thought. Yep. This is that the, the wheels, end of that Twins era. And that the wheels would come tumbling off the next season. It wasn't yeah. even like it wasn't even like 2011 was an okay year and they all oh, they just didn't make the playoffs. Like the wheels came tumbling off of that wagon yeah. very quickly. Yeah. I want that I want that back. I want I want to watch that <laughs> we, at Target Field, but I I'm, tra- back, but I'm yes. trying to think of like what is the path for that to happen in a year from now? And it is such a long road because you only really know who two guys in your lineup are going to be. I, was, I, know? S- yeah. I said to you yesterday, the question is, can you close your eyes and envision the Twins in 2019 being the A's in 2018? Because that would be the, the type of jump. The A's never make sense to me. I can't ever figure but out But I'm saying that's so the only like way. They're doing things unless, behind the scenes that you've never heard of. And that's why they, somehow, like, they just they make just, up players. They, but unless somehow they just put the numbers together. And but unless it, this is going to be a slow build, which it could be. Yeah. If you're going to have a, just a drastic, oh my gosh, you're in the ALCS or something. It's going to mean that you have a year like Oakland did. This year, and I don't know if I, when I close my eyes, I don't know that I can see that path. I I just hope, and even I'll take, a, I'll go a step further, where it's almost like what we saw from the Royals a couple of years ago. I mean, the Royals, Kansas City, it was 30 years. And all of a sudden, they just popped up with all of their guys, Hosmer and Kane and Moustakis and Escobar, all those guys, they just popped up and everything came together for them at the same time yeah. for all of those players. And they went on a run of the World Series. They came up short. And then for them to come back 
the next year, keep the same team together, and do it again. I mean, that's for the Twins. That's kind of what you got to hope for. That everything for Buxton, Sano, <laughs> Rosario, Kepler, Barrios. That everything just comes together for them at the same time, at the right time. Yeah, but there's some potion in Oakland that's just. It's a there's a different type of water in that well there is a different there's type of water in that water. building it's, it's sewage called, it's water. toilet water <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah maybe that's the key it's human you <laughs> know what flood, flood just the clubhouse with sewage and then <laughs> yeah. maybe that will work out because, for you. because well here's a good segue Edwin Jackson was basically sewage as a pitcher for the last five years Edwin Jackson remember that guy if I would have told he's played if, for like half of Major League Baseball yes he's played for. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 13 teams in his career. If I would have asked you three or four months ago, okay, Edwin Jackson, how long has he been out of the league? If that would have been the question, you would have said, well, oh, three years? Two yeah, years? That's exactly what well, I Not saying. only is he still in the league, yes. he had a 3.33 ERA for the A's in, uh, in 92 innings, 17 starts, and was one of their best pitchers this year. But I know, it makes no what? sense. And the Twins bring over Lance Lynn. Who who hasn't had any bad seasons yet? Right. Any bad seasons yet? Well, and he soils himself for three months, and they trade him to the Yankees. Like what? I mean, I know the answer. The Twins are broken, and they they need to keep fixing things and working on their working on themselves. It's not you, it's us. But it's really frustrating to watch the Twins over the past eight years know that it's been that long since Target Field, and the Brewers pop up and make this run, and the A's pop up and make this run. Even the Rays didn't make the playoffs. The Rays won 90 damn games this year, and they tried They tried like hell to sell off all their pieces from spring training mm-hmm. oh, all yeah. the way through the deadline. <laughs> Here, Here's the frustrating thing, too. If Sano and Buxton had sort of had small dips, but but you said they're going to be okay, yeah. and then you said, okay, could you do what the Brewers did? Go get a player. Get two players. But our conversation in the past month has been beyond Rosario and maybe Polanco, basically. Who's playing for this team? Who's in the opening day lineup in 2019? That you feel good about. Well, and I can't even answer the question. Is Kepler going to be here? Is he going to be traded? Is Buxton going to come back and be okay? I can't even answer you the question. Yeah, and with Kepler, too, a guy like Kepler, is is he going to be here? And if he is, can he have a bounce back year from... Was it two twenty five or whatever he hit this year? I mean, he hit twenty home runs, so you know there's something there. But that average has got to get up. He's got to get on base more. Yeah, man. he's just. Uh, I I still think there's. He's ready to explode at some point. I mean, it it feels a little bit like when Justin Morneau showed you something for a couple of years and then had that 05 season where he was sort of that was the come to Jesus moment where it, after 05 into the early part of 06. Yeah. And there was a confrontation with Tory Hunter. Maybe we need Tory Hunter back to punch Max Kepler. <laughs> punch Punto by accident, right? Yeah, get Punto in there, didn't too. He take, one, and, take another one for the didn't team. Didn't he try and hit Justin and accidentally hit yeah. Nick? And Nick's like, that's okay, I'm cool. Whatever. Yep. I'm sliding to the first base. I'm good. I already have blood and dirt on my uniform. <laughs> yeah, What's a little bit more? Oh boy, yeah, it's fine. Uh, we'll catch up with our friend Adrian Heath. The football hour is coming up, too, with Rich Gannon and Matthew Collar. It's Mackie and Judd with Manny from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Just hold your ass right there. On 1500 ESPN. Now, back to Mackie and Judd. Hello, boys. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. So what do you think? It's <laughs> pretty cool, I guess. On 1500 ESPN. Welcome back to the TCL Broadcast Studios. You can find baseball pretty much every night on 1500 ESPN. 
from now through the end of the month. Maybe not every night, depending on when series end, but you're going to find uh, the American League tonight, uh, the game between the Yankees and the A's, 7 o'clock start time, and uh, all throughout the division series as well. So fine baseball. Uh, the Adrian Heath show came to an end at the end of September, so we figured let's get him on our show. One of our one of our favorite guys in town, one of the one of the most entertaining coaches, Adrian. What's going on, man? How we doing, fellas? Are you good? We're doing all Very right. Good. We'd uh, prefer to have a beer in hand right now and cheers you, but we're being professionals, professional broadcasters. So we're going <laughs> to well, wait till I after the show. I expect nothing else, guys. I, I expected nothing else. <laughs> Uh, we want to talk about uh, the last four games on the schedule and uh, and just your view of the season so far. But we have a question for you regarding it, what, what a what would you do scenario, or if this has ever happened to you. I'm sure you've seen with the Timberwolves across town the the Jimmy Butler trade. Jimmy Butler demanding a trade right before the season starts. The Wolves' best player. Have you ever had a player demand a trade in a star player in a in a situation that? is not advantageous, and uh, if so, we'd love to hear the story, and if not, what would you do? Um, well, I've been in both sides. I've been in the locker room with a star player who wants to leave on the eve of the season, and I've been a coach when it happens to you. I think the most important thing, guys, is that you have to come out of this what's best for you, and as I'm saying you, I mean what's best for the team. Because, you know, I'm a big Jimmy Butler fan, but the most important thing, and always will be, you know, the, the the name on the front of the shirt is always more important than the name on the back. You know, the Timberwolves are going to have to make a decision that's right for them. And now if that's trading Jimmy, if that's moving him on and maybe not getting what they want, you know, they will understand the mood within the locker room with the other guys. And if the other guys have had enough of him or don't want him, or I don't know what the ins and outs of it all but the most important thing is that before the season starts, the Timberwolves have to make sure that they're in a position to move on one way or the other. If they think they can handle this situation and they can resolve it, I understand it. If they think, listen, this is going to be a nightmare situation for us, a really difficult scenario, then they have to do what's best for the team because that always has to come first. That player, though, uh, can't come back, correct? Because I, I would, would t- take it as a coach, the worst thing that you could do is have a player who clearly wants out and there's friction and it's fractured there. And then if, if he comes back, I, I would I would guess that that could uh, potentially pollute the team and the uh, locker room, Adrian. Is that a correct assessment? I, I think it's a, it's a correct assessment. What, what I don't know, and which I'm not sure whether you guys are privy to it, what is the relationship with Jimmy with the rest of the guys? If the other guys don't want him there, the coach is in a no-win situation. Obviously, you know, I, I follow him close enough that he, he has a, a close enough relationship with Tibbs because he's worked with him and played for him before and obviously got a good relationship. But most importantly, and it will always be the case, you have to think of the group before any individual. And if the group are pretty, you know, headstrong and, and have made up their mind that they don't want him there, then I'm afraid whether the coach likes it or not, you have, to, you have to look at everybody. You have to think of the whole group. You have to think of the long-term benefits for the club. And if that means you trade the guy, that means you have to trade him, yeah. I'm afraid. I think they all hate each other, which makes it, makes it pretty tough. That's, I don't know. We're just, some of it's just like second-hand reporting and third-hand. But here's a, here's a question for you, back to, to soccer specifically. As head coach or, or manager... Is it more important? Is the tactical X's and O's aspect more important, or 
the people and the the leadership slash you know big picture stuff for you? That's a good question, guys. Um, now, there's probably two sides to that. Sometimes you can have so much ability that it overcomes the X's and O's. If you don't, you have to be good at the X's and O's to be able to compete with them. You know, obviously, you look at what the roster, the, the Golden State Warriors have got, you know, three and four top players. If you haven't got that, you've got to be good. and You've got to be able to coach them. The X's and O's have to be good. Now, if you can get somewhere in the middle, that's sometimes you know, the perfect scenario where you have got real talent on the field and the coach is really good at the X's and O's, then you have a, a real opportunity to make inroads in whatever sport it is. You know, but if you if you haven't got talent, and I mean proper talent on the court or on the pitch, on the tennis court, whatever it is, you, you better be good at the other stuff because, you know, it's, it's, it's too much to make up just by being, you know, having talent or just having X's and O's. Tell me this, as a guy who played uh, and now coaches, how difficult is coaching now? Because, I mean, people have definitely changed, and I, I think there, there was a time probably for a long time where a coach could w- walk in a room and tell the players, sit down, shut up, here's the plan, and players said, okay, that, that's fine. But in this day and age now where I think young people and players certainly question things more, how difficult is that tra- transition now for a guy l- like you who played at a very different time but now must uh, get the most from a group of players who are probably wired very differently from what you saw from your teammates back in the day, Adrian? Oh, well, firstly, it's a great question and one that I'm probably asked the most by anybody, that, this, this question. I think, first and foremost, things have changed. Social media I use that line, and I always use the, the name on the shirt at the front, which should always be more important than the name on the back. I'm still quite, what I think I'm fortunate that we're still in that uh, situation in that period of the evolution of the MLS where the coaches still have a lot of pull and a lot of gravitas what goes on. You know, obviously in certain clubs there might be one or two individuals that make it difficult, I look at the situation with basketball and, you know, one or two of the NFL teams, and I think that must be difficult for coaches. But ultimately, I always try and appeal to the player's nature. I always try and appeal to, you know, you know what's right and wrong, guys. You don't need me to keep telling you. You know, I always use analogy. What would your parents think? What would your mum and dad think? Do they, would you think they'd, they'd think that was acceptable? It's all little things. Everybody has their own little way of going around it, but ultimately I try and appeal to people's nature. People know what's right and wrong. Ultimately, we've all got to work together. There aren't too many sports. There's maybe one or two people like LeBron who can maybe make a difference on his own. We aren't at that stage at this moment in time. We need everybody actually you know, paddling in the same direction. We can't afford anybody doing their own thing. Adrian, you guys have won uh, a couple of games in a row now, and, and you guys have a, have a big match with Philadelphia coming up this weekend. But uh, how? what's your view on how the team has performed, uh, especially in the last couple of weeks here? The last couple of weeks we've been terrific. Um, played two you know, pretty established playoff teams and come away with two victories. I look at our previous two away games where we got a result in Salt Lake, should have probably won the game. You look at our results, we've narrowly lost in D.C. United, who've, you know, this weekend beat somebody five at home and have won all them games at home. So 
the last four games, I think we've been very good. We've got a huge game at Philly at the weekend. So for them, they're still in that, you know, sort of final throws. They're trying to cement a playoff place. So it's going to be tough. And then we have two long games to, to come. You know, one of the things that I've been impressing to the guys from, from the uh, Rail Salt Lake game has been this is a seven-game season. Can we go undefeated between now and the end of the season? So far, we are. We have two home games to come after the Philly game, which we are more than capable of winning. So this weekend becomes a huge game. Yeah. You know, I, somebody said to me a few weeks ago, well, you haven't really got an awful lot to play for. Well, they, they don't know me that well. You know, <laughs> all our players have everything to play for. Every time they put that shirt on, every time they represent the people who paid money to come and watch them, we have an, we have an obligation to go and do everything that we can to give them a result. And that's what happened. that will be my message between now and the end of the season. So, uh, you know, it's there's still plenty to do, guys. There's still plenty to play for. Are, are playoffs next year? Is that the goal? Well, we aren't mathematically out of this year yet. If you're right, so, you, yeah, you could. You're ten, 10 back now. You could still get around the table. Yeah. Well, a few weeks ago, I, I remember people saying that this is going to be the worst season that Seattle Sounders have ever had. And they went and took 27 points out of 30. And now people are thinking they can do it again. They can go and win it again. You know, we can't go on that type of road. Hey, but we've got four games left. We can go and win four games and see where that leads us. And that's what we have to believe. Until it's mathematically impossible, we're not throwing the towel in. Certainly, I'm not. I know the players aren't. Yeah. What's your, if, if that happens, what's your, what's, what's, what's your celebratory drink, Adrian? Oh, my wine, guys. The days of beer have long gone, guys. I'm a, Not for me. I'm a nice glass of wine after a game now. It's, uh, the more I've got older, the more a bit, my palate's become a little bit more refined, I think. The trip to Brits, right? That's the celebration. Well, yeah, the, the Brits. You know them guys down there. They look after us. So, uh, no, it's been, it's been good. We've had plenty to celebrate at home. Not enough on the road, unfortunately. And that's why we find ourselves in the position we're in at the moment. Yep. And you can uh, you can find that match against Philadelphia this Saturday night starting at 6 o'clock pregame, 6.30 kickoff. And Adrian, please uh, continue to give our guy Jamie Watson a hard time these last, last few games of the regular season for me, please. Yeah. I couldn't do anything else. You know me that. Yeah. Oh, man, you know? <laughs> All right. Bye, bye Adrian. We'll see, Thanks, you, Adrian. see you next week, man. Anytime, guys. All right. Adrian Heath, the uh, manager. All right, I, I guess it's manager in other countries. It's we ga- still call him head co- He's gaffer. He's gaffer. It's gaffer. He's we a head coach. Head coach feels wrong in soccer. Well, he's head coach by by what we like to say, but he's a gaffer. Let's call him what what he yeah. is. It's a great term. We got to use their terms. Their terms are better, except for yeah. FC. Uh, FC can go. I I don't need FC. He was wonderful. Cheap plug. We, the Crafty Rogues are they're friends of our show, and we, we got to get him on here in the afternoons at some point. But they do a weekly podcast, and they do it from Brits. And he made an hour-long appearance with them, I don't know, a month and a half, two I was months there. ago. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, It was so much fun. He got a couple glasses of wine in him and started telling stories from the old playing days. Mm-hmm. And if, you, if, if you're just interested in funny stories, go find it. The Crafty Rogues. It's... I, it's like seven episodes ago. He played for Burnley, team. and those guys love Burnley. Yeah, yeah. He was. I mean, he was storied yeah, in the EPL really, in the early nineteen yeah, nineties. Yeah. Right, very good player. Yeah. Uh, the football hour is on the horizon here, gentlemen. Matthew Collar, Rich Gannon, part of that. So uh, that'll be in the five o'clock. It's Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Don't go anywhere. Assume the position. More Mackie and Judd coming up next on fifteen hundred ESPN. 
Jackie and Judd are back. I have indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready. On 1500 ESPN. Quick look at your traffic. It is uh, brought to you by the Better Business Bureau. 35E northbound. We have a uh, crash that's adding about seven minutes to your uh, to your commute. That's near St. Paul, uh, near Pennsylvania and Maryland. So uh, be on the lookout for that as well. Also, 494 westbound. We have a crash uh, near Richfield, near 77, adding about four minutes your commute there. Join Better Business Bureau at the Torch Awards for Ethics. BBB's Torch Award embodies Better Business Bureau's mission of advancing in, advancing trust in the marketplace. 14 businesses will be honored at U.S. Bank Stadium on October 24th. Purchase tickets at BBB.org slash Minnesota. Thank you, Manny. Mackie and Judd, about 10 minutes away from the football hour with Matthew Collar and uh, Rich Gannon. Um, in a minute here, definitely want to play this Major League Baseball commercial again. I know you guys played it off the top of the show like two hours ago. I saw that thing last night. This is this is the, this, we're talking about the same thing, right? Essentially the, the yes. bat flip one. Yes. Oh my gosh, could not be more happy with where Major League Baseball is going. Well, so if you haven't heard that yet, we'll get to that in just a second here. But uh, all week long, we have uh, welcomed our friend and president of Twin Cities in Motion, Mike Logan, to the show just to talk about various aspects of Twin Cities Marathon Week. Uh, It's Medtronic Twin Cities Marathon Week. 30,000 participants across five events, three days of activities. Mike, what's going on, man? Gentlemen, how are you today? We are well. There's never a shortage of things to talk about here in the uh, Minnesota sports landscape, but... Uh, let's talk more about what people can get involved with on a volunteer level as the week progresses to uh, Marathon Weekend. Right. So Marathon Weekend, starting really Friday and going through Sunday, it takes about 4,000 volunteers for us to pull all this off. And uh, we still have spots available. So whether it's you know Saturday events to help without, uh, with kids and families, and the family events themselves, or Sunday start line, or even being a course marshal on Sunday, or even at the finish line uh, to help congratulate runners. We've got lots of spots uh, left, and we'd love to welcome some people to do it. Give me an idea about where are some, if I, I want to come out and watch the uh, race on Sunday, what are some good spots that, that possibly people don't think about to, uh, to set up at and watch the marathon? Like. You know, I'm biased because I, I personally used to live not very far from Lake Nokomis off of the Minnehaha Parkway. I think that spot's great because it's not as crushed as some of the lakes or even the downtown areas. You can find parking in the neighborhoods and just walk a block or two right down to the creek or the lake itself. So for me, I mean, that, that's where I like to watch. But I haven't done that in a few years as I've been a little preoccupied with some other things through the weekend. Yeah. Are we? Just, I have another dumb spectator question. Like, what are the... Are we allowed to just hand off bottles of water and Gatorade, or are there like things that we should or shouldn't do? If you're a spectator, you want to go out and you want to cheer people on and help. What are what are some guidelines? Some wine, possibly. Yeah, I mean, well, hard alcohol. You know, <laughs> we, we try to discourage that. You know, sometimes people do throw things like Jolly Ranchers uh, at, at folks on course. We we generally prefer a lob as opposed to a direct hit. But you know, water is always the best uh, choice. Uh, typically, you know that that is the easiest thing for people to take in when they've really started to 
run a while. But anything with electrolytes is good, too, and runners always appreciate it. We have water stops and electrolyte stations every few miles along the course. But, uh, but yeah, if people are interested in doing that, that those would probably be the best bet. Cool. So, uh, again, the website, if you are interested in volunteering this weekend, is tcmevents.org slash volunteer. And uh, just just one more time, what are if, if people are kind of on the fence about volunteering, what are what are some of the some of the things that you're looking for help with right now as you as you survey Friday through Sunday? Right. So to help us out on Saturday with the kids' events and family events would be awesome. Uh, the start line and the finish line on Sunday for the TC 10 mile and the Medtronic Twin Cities Marathon, and then we can always use more course marshals. You know, if you don't want to go too far from home, we could probably use some folks along the course just to keep eyes on runners as they're going by. Awesome. Mike Logan, President, Twin Cities in Motion. We'll talk again tomorrow. I appreciate it. See you guys. Thank you, man. Yep. Um, I'm not going to run in a marathon, but I have thoroughly enjoyed... (laughs) I like how you preface that by saying that. If you would have told me 10 years ago, hey, you're going to have a lot of fun like three different times in your life watching watching marathons i would have said what why would you ever want to watch a marathon it's actually really fun there it's people it's cheering cool. and um yeah so if you haven't if you've never done that before during the twin cities marathon it's a it's a pretty cool event i might drink a couple of beers while, while i watch you can do that although if i'm that. gonna watch a marathon how early do i, I have to get up to do it because it seems like right around the time on i'm stirring that that i see a tweet come across with the people who have won so I sense that I might miss out on the most exciting parts because see, of my and, sleep habits. See, and you've, you've gotten so used to this new time slot now, and that you don't have to get up as early in the morning. <laughs> yeah, you've what gotten time, very what time, comfortable. Amen. Do you, do you set an alarm? <laughs> what time do you wake up now that we're not on the air at 9 o'clock? Because we would get to, to the I, studio at 7, 7.15. Around, yeah. around 9. But the greatest thing, like last night, I didn't have to be concerned. That's true. So I was tired, and the game dragged on, and I thought, I don't care. Okay, I'm tired. But stay I'm going to stay up. four in the morning. If I this didn't thing care. goes 27 innings. Oh, it was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, one, of the, one of the best parts about the game wasn't actually the game itself. It was Major League Baseball with some self-awareness, understanding we got to change the way that people perceive our sport. Going to play this. This is just this is a commercial that showed up a couple times during the game. I saw it on the social media accounts. And so the visual, it's Ken Griffey Jr. is the figurehead of this commercial. With the backwards hat, I think he had a backwards hat, if I remember right, in the commercial. I think so, yeah. And it, and the visuals are players celebrating out of the batter's box with bat flips, like the Javi Baez and chest thumps and things that we traditionally would look at and say, "How dare you show emotion in baseball?" Right? They said rules are rules. Don't stop and stare. Toss that bat thirty feet into the air. Don't flip your bat. Respect the jersey. He didn't earn that right. They called him unprofessional. No celebrating. Keep your head down. Flashy. Immature. Showboat. They said it all. You don't have to do that. Get a little tired of it. Something you do not do in baseball. No more talk. Let the kids play. It's just a new world. Yes. Bravo. It's, yes. A, it's about time to. Yes. Like that is, if you want to be popular, you have to do things like that, and it makes perfect sense. And last night, 
uh, when when the Cubs catcher walked twice, he bat flipped it, and it was cool. That was pretty funny. In fact, one of the guy I was I, this is another part about last night. I was watching the analytics slash sabermetrics oh, broadcast on ESPN two. Yeah, and one of the announcers said something like, "Did we just get a bat flip on a walk yes. right there?" <laughs> I was watching Damn the same right thing. We did. <laughs> the <laughs> the <laughs> only complaint that that I had with that side of the telecast was was they lifted Freeland and then they did a split screen for a long time. Showing him w- watching the game, and I was like, "Just show the whole screen." Oh, they didn't do that on both channels. No, they didn't. Okay, no, but that telecast was really cool. Yeah, they were showing. Uh, so I know this is gonna. This is. I gonna, didn't even know they did this. Yeah, the ESPN two. I'm. ESPN2, I'm sure okay. most people watched ESPN with A Rod and Jessica Mendoza and uh, Matt Vasgersian. But they had uh, was it Eduardo Perez? Yes, who and, I love. Who He's are the really other good. two guys? I don't know. John Shambi does radio. It was two sort of nondescript but stat-centric guys. Okay. It was really good, though. And they had, instead of showing on the screen a player's batting average and RBIs and runs scored, they showed a player's, they didn't show batting average, they showed on-base, slugging, uh, OPS, and their wins above replacement, Mm -hmm. which includes all aspects of, of the game. So you, you're able to see that Drew Butera is mostly garbage and had a timely, <laughs> not my guy, Tony Walters interference. Not my guy, third string catcher. How about the guy who's the third string catcher yeah. behind Drew Butera? Yes, getting the game winning hit behind Drew Butera only, only because of a double switch caused by the National League, which is why I love the National League. Judd was just sad. Oh, I was. Oh my god, it was so much fun. Yes. Madden's out of bench players. Tony Walters. The pitch. (laughs) Base hit into center field by Tony Walters. Home comes Story. Par to third. The Rockies have regained the lead. Two to one in the top of the 13th. Tony Walters with the biggest hit of his career. And then when pitchers took the mound, you know how they show usually it's the win-loss record and the innings pitched, and and they would instead show you ERA plus, which is just essentially, uh, it's a way of showing what your ERA is relative to the rest of the league. So 100 would be a league average ERA plus. It would be like if your ERA is 350 and the league average ERA is 350, then your ERA plus would be 100. Okay. And if your ERA is is 20 points better than league average, then maybe it would be uh, it would be 120 would be your ERA plus. And then it showed the ranking. So instead of just, oh, this guy's got a 350 ERA, he must be good. Well, that's not great context. Where does he rank in the league? Is mm-hmm. he the third best pitcher? Is he the hundredth? And then they showed pitchers ground ball rates and their strikeout rates by percentage. So you can see that, oh, this dude, this Adam Ottavino comes in and everything drops like a boulder when he throws it out of his hand and he's got a 60% ground ball rate, which is one of the best in Major League Baseball. And I love that stuff. That but cool. I get that some people look at it and say... What? What's ERA plus? Those stupid numbers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who is the opener for Oakland tonight? Liam Hendricks, baby. I saw Patrick. Oh, Patrick yes. tweeted yesterday. I'm breaking a rule. I'm going to actively root for the Yankees because he's so upset that Liam Hendricks is opening for Oakland. Is tonight. he more mad about the opener aspect, or does he hate Liam Hendricks? Opener aspect, I think. Okay, because Liam Hendricks is. A nice oh no, guy. he just said because it's an opener. He's very upset. <laughs> Come on, Pat. But doesn't get on, it? I mean, get on the bandwagon. Don't don't you think though in the playoffs when all these pitchers are going to have short leashes anyway? That I mean, it, starting an opener kind of makes sense because if it's like the Twins game a, last yeah, year, if you started a starter and he gets into trouble in the second inning, he's probably going to get pulled out of the game anyway. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, you might as well go over the opener. Yeah, I mean, Luis Severino was a was an opener and for so the Yankees Santa, last year. So was Santana, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. He, he didn't mean to be. He was supposed to be your ace, yeah. but he was an opener. The football hour coming up next. Matthew Collar, Rich Gannon will join too. Sit tight. The Mackie and Judd show will continue in a moment. Do I have your word on that, sir? Mackie and Judd. Absolutely. On 1500 ESPN.